All right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I got Seth again with me for the podcast. What's up, Seth? Hey, what's up? Just back for another one, buddy. So, um, good to be back with you guys. Hope you guys are enjoying the podcast. We released quite a few of the um, the expo podcasts that we had out there. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed those. We really enjoyed them. I mean, I, I loved recording those podcasts. I loved talking with the the folks there. Um, got to meet some really cool people. I, I enjoyed the expo. And Jen, I know we've talked a lot about it on this podcast and kind of geeked out about it already, but um, it was a lot of fun. Like I said, I got to meet a lot of cool people. If you guys haven't checked out those podcasts, check them out. There's there's a few of them already up on the on the page. So so check those out. Let us know what you think about them. Leave a comment. Leave a like. Um, one thing I do before we get into the podcast, Seth, and sorry I didn't tell you about this, but I, one thing that helps us a lot, guys, is getting um, ratings on our podcast. So if, if you listen to it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, if you wouldn't mind giving us a rating, and, and honestly, if you could give us a review, that would be even better. So if that's something you guys would be willing to do, we would love to, to get some ratings and reviews on there. We'd love to hear from you guys more. Love to know what you guys want to hear from us. So um, we'd really appreciate it if, if you guys would do that. So let's jump into the podcast tonight. So... We're going to talk a little bit about traveling for hunting and traveling with guns and what that looks like. We've done a lot of that, Seth and I have, over the last year. And so that's probably one of the biggest questions I get on a daily basis. I don't know about you, Seth, but I get questions all the time about, about traveling and, and how hard, you know, is it difficult to travel, to hunt? Is it difficult to get tags? Is it, you know, and we've done podcasts about that in the past, but, you know, what does it take to travel with, with your firearm? You know, is it better to travel and use a gun? Is it better to travel and use a bow? Does it really matter? Things like that. And so we kind of just want to break that down today um, and talk about a few of, of those things. Also, before we get into the podcast, as always, we want to thank our, our sponsor, Vortex Optics, for, for sponsoring the podcast. Sure appreciate them um, and all that they've get, you know supported us with here at, at eHunter. Check them out at vortexoptics.com. So, all right, Seth, well, let's jump into this. So... I traveled quite a bit this last year to hunt. You traveled quite a bit this last year to hunt. Um, went to South Dakota, had a great time, shot a nice whitetail, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> we drove out there. Uh, that was an adventure for sure. <laughs> that's what's, I think that's why I like traveling to hunt is it's it's more of an adventure. Yep. You get to learn new it, things. It really is. Sometimes it's just about the fact of, of going. You know what I mean? I mean, I, yeah. I hate to... The sound's so cut and dry, but you kind of get in your, your mode of, of your local places and you, you know, know how to kill deer, which can be a, or animals, which can be a, a big, you know, boon. I got a lot of guys that know their area really well do, do really well and start uh, killing better animals. But there is just this allure sometimes of, of just going on a whim and, and traveling to a new place or a, a different state and, and learning an area there too. Yeah. And there's always that, just that unknown factor, you know, like when you go to a new place, I remember the first time I went to Colorado, listen up hunters and outdoorsmen, you've been living in a tent, roughing it in the great outdoors for over a week while chasing bucks or elk or whatever. Your beard may be coming in nicely, but there's one area that needs some attention when you get back home. We're talking about your nether regions, fellas. That's where the lawnmower 4.0 from Manscaped comes in handy. This tool is designed to tackle even the wildest of forests while keeping your precious gun safe from any mishaps. With a ceramic blade that won't nick or snag and skin-safe technology, the Lawnmower 4.0 is the ultimate way to clean up down there after a week of roughing it. 
It's waterproof, so you can use it in the shower when you get home. You could use it in a lake. Or I guess if even if you get desperate, you could use it in a muddy puddle. So when you finally make it back to civilization after weeks in the wilderness, make sure you've got the Lawnmower 4.0 waiting for you. Your family jewels and any lady friends will thank you as well. Use the code eHunter at checkout and get 20% off of any item. Again, that's eHunter, E-H-U-N-T-R, at checkout and get 20% off any item. Uh, you know, as a living in Utah, this is before I moved to Colorado, but going to Colorado to hunt, and, you know, you just don't really know what you're getting into. And, you know, is there a chance that you're going to see that 200-inch deer? Is there a chance that you're going to see nothing at all? You know, it's just, you just never know what you're going to get into. And so it, it's kind of, it's kind of, the, the unknown's kind of exciting. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, and then I've had it uh, turn out both ways. I've had them turn <laughs> into pretty good hunts, you know, never a 200-incher, but we've had them turn into to pretty good hunts. And I've had, had some pretty pitiful hunts on that. Uh, going on a whim but uh some of that's just part of the deal yeah you really never know what you're going to get until you get there right i mean it's it's you've you can do a lot of research and that's a great thing about today is there's so many tools out there to do research to see like success rates harvest rates um things like that but you still really don't know what you're getting yourself into sometimes yep if you pick an area even in a, a pretty good success rate place if you pick an area within that unit that the deer or elk just don't happen to be there right then you're gonna think you you're like man this thing sucks they lied to me that <laughs> they're trying to sell more tags whatever the excuse you make up in your head uh but it, i mean it's happened to me i'm like yeah we picked the highest success rate unit we could draw uh supposed to be seeing animals and we went uh five six days before we even saw a deer you know what i mean i mean it it, it happens um but it, it still is that uh that whole adventure aspect that makes it worthwhile i think yeah definitely and one thing you, you know you just kind of talked about that just barely but you may go to a place and you may not see anything you know you may be in a in a location and you're like oh yeah this it looks like deer country and and whatnot or elk country whatever you're hunting and you may not see some may not see what you're hoping to see and I think one of the things that I'm going to say just to kind of kick this whole thing off is is don't get frustrated if you come across that. If if you get there and you don't see what you're hoping to see because you just never know what tomorrow is going to bring. You never know what the next turn down the road is going to bring. If you're hiking, you never know what's over that next little ridge. And so, you know, don't don't get frustrated. I think when you're going to when you're traveling to these new places, take it all with a grain of salt. You know, go into it thinking, okay, I'm going to learn this area. I'm going to, you know, get to know this area, get to know the topography a little bit better. I'm going to look for areas. And hopefully you've already done your research and you know what areas for the most part will hold deer, elk, or whatever you're hunting. And and you can kind of search for that area as you're getting to know the area. But don't let it frustrate you. I'm, I'm sure, you know, Seth, and you can probably agree, you probably had it those times when it is frustrating, but you can't let it get the best of you. Yeah, you got to keep, uh, I mean, it was, we, we've had one in recent memory, uh, 2019, it was a battle, um, but you just had to keep going and it didn't turn out great. I mean, we, we did okay. We seen a few bucks, but it was not a, a, uh, you know, amazing deal. But at the end of the day, it gave us a jumping off point for what can be a tough hunt out of state and what, you know, could be better. Um, but the adventure is still always there and it's a memory that me and my my hunting partner and my cousin 
will always remember that like, Hey, yeah, it sucked, but you know what? We still went and had a good time and we'll always have that in our memory banks for a long time. Yeah. What got you started into traveling to hunt? Was it just cause you wanted to see something different or you got bored of where you were, you know, your home area of hunting? What, what got you into traveling to hunt? So years and years and years ago, uh, my second year, no, my first year ever hunting, uh, I ended up in Colorado hunting. Um, my old man had a hookup to get back there and do a little bit of deer hunting and I went and did it and I shot an okay buck. Um, but then, uh, for nearly 20 years, I never left the state of Utah and always in the back of my mind, I just had how fun that Colorado deer hunt was in the back of my mind. Um, And so go ahead. (laughs) So (laughs) go ahead. I know you're good. So I had just, I had this in the back of my mind. I was like, I've got to go do that again. I want to go do that again. And then I got to the point where I was financially stable enough, you know, with growing up and kids and a young family, I finally got financially stable enough. I could do it. And that, was kind of my push behind it. I always had this, this memory bank of how fun that Colorado deer hunt was. Um, and so we gave it a whirl in 2019, uh, and then big bad COVID reared its head and everybody shut down. So we didn't do anything in 2020 and then, uh, 2021 ended up in Colorado and 2022 ended up in South Dakota. So nice. Nice. You know, that's one of the things that a lot of people think, uh, traveling to hunt, it's, it's so expensive to do it. And, and it is, I mean, it does cost money. It's not free. It'd be awesome if it was, but it's not a free thing. So it does cost money, but there are ways to do it. You don't have to break the bank to travel to hunt. You, you can, you can do it at reasonable cost. Just going to give an example. I recently went down to Arizona. We did go with a guide, but you don't have to go with a guide. You know, you can go down to Arizona, do over-the-counter hunts. You can do your research, do your e-scouting. It's the price of the tag. I mean, you're going to spend probably, what, $450 to really get the tag and the hunting license and all that stuff, all the fees that come along with that. Going to spend some money for, uh, you know, a place to stay down there, food, all that. But really, you know, at the end of the day, you're really not spending a lot. And if you plan for it, that's the thing that is a big part of it is planning for these hunts. And I've had the opportunity to, to go to Alaska lately. Um, I've got a New Zealand trip planned. And it, those are things that were just like, I, you know, I'm never going to be able to do it. I'm just never going to have, you know, I, and I'm not a rich man. I'm not, I don't have the, a booming business. I'm not, you know, I'm not a super rich guy. But I think it really just comes down to planning and saving and making sure that that's your your priority. And, you know, for, for me, and this is going to be specific to, to probably married people <laughs> or people that have significant <laughs> others, but I got my wife involved. You know, I, I got her, I mean, not so much on the Alaska one, other than she, I mean, she did get involved in helping prepare for it and plan for it. But like for the New Zealand one, I got her involved and her excited about the trip. And so together, you know, because what's mine is yours, and, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast is the same way. But it's, you know, we're, we're going in it together. We're preparing for it together. We're saving together. We're doing the things that we're supposed to do, which one of the things, and I don't know if I even told you this, Seth, but uh, one of the things we're doing is we're getting credit card points to get mm-hmm. uh, flyer miles. Mm-hmm. We're actually going to be able to right. fly to New Zealand 
business class. So we're going to be like lay down, take a nap. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> and and we're going to be able to do it without any money out of our pocket because we just use the credit card to uh, to build up points. So there's there's just so many avenues. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Sorry, long story short. There's just so many avenues to make this happen. As long as you just, you make this your goal, you plan for it and and be smart about it. You, you can make these things happen. And like I said, whether you spend a little bit and it's not a super big financial burden to go to Arizona or to Colorado or whatever the case may be, or it's a big trip to, to New Zealand, I think the big thing is just planning for it. Yeah, and there's ways there's ways to do it. I'm, I mean, I'm not trying to, to come across as uh, I, I'm rich because I'm not, Taryn knows this, but uh, that first Idaho trip and my first Colorado trip was essentially paid for in uh, what I called my blood money. Uh, I knew with a, with a family and, and uh, expenses that it was going to be a tough sell to pull it out of just our regular uh, funds. So I was lucky enough to be able to donate plasma pretty regularly. Yeah. And I donated plasma and I jokingly called it my blood money because it was literally my, was your blood yeah, money <laughs> given my blood to spill blood, I guess, huh? Yeah. Um, but there's ways to do it. And especially like Taryn said, you know, you, you, if you're doing it that way, you may not be, you know, uh, taking a guide, but, but the, there's the beauty of the West is that there's a ton of public land. Um, you build a point or two, you find a, a good public land uh, unit and you bite the bullet and you, you plan it and you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. There's so many, and it's almost, I think it's cool to do DIY hunts. And honestly, if I was to go back to Alaska, I'd probably do it for the most part DIY. Now that I've been there and I, you know, I've got to know some of the people up there and how things work. Seriously, I could throw my camp in my backpack for seven days and get up there and do it all DIY and do it very, very cheap. And, and so there, yeah, there's just so many opportunities out there and you're going to have a blast either way. And so, you know, another thing that's cool about a lot of these, if you do want to do like an extravagant one is a lot of people will take a deposit and then they'll let you pay in installments for however long. I mean, you can push it out like three years before you go on one of these guided hunts, like New Zealand, Africa, whatever the case may be. Africa's calling your name. I know I was there. Uh, You were there. Yeah, I saw you eyeballing it. Africa's Africa's in the pipe. It might be four or five years down the line, but Africa's in the pipe for Taryn. Africa's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen at some point. Uh, we'll see if we can get Chad on board with it. But yeah. <laughs> no, actually, Chad's on board with it. This yeah, that's that's a story for another day. Because I <laughs> my my I talked to my wife about it and initially. She's like, no, no, we can't do it. And now she's like, oh man, actually, you know what? Because she started looking it up at the places you stay and stuff like that. She's like, right, those are really nice. And she's yeah. like, maybe we could do this after we get back from New Zealand. And <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's just so many opportunities. So whatever you're looking for, I think that uh, for the most part, you can make it happen. You know, you just gotta. You just got to buckle down and do it. And sorry, Seth, I feel like I'm doing the a lot of the talking here. But another point I wanted to make is I'll be talking to people about these hunts that I'm doing and I'll be out hunting while I'm talking about it. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'll just never be able to afford to go on these hunts. Meanwhile, they're talking to me while they're looking through a pair of, you know, Vortex 18 power binoculars or another brand's 15 <laughs> power binoculars 
guys, those things cost as much as some of these trips cost. So, you know, I mean, it, it, I think it's just priority. You just got to make it a priority and make a plan and, and do it. It's, it's easy. I, I think in the grand scheme of, um, I guess, hunters, I, I don't know the correct term, but in the grand scheme of what things cost, uh, guys can buy that $2,500 rifle or that $2,500 pair of binoculars and justify it in their mind that, oh, well, I'm going to use them for 15 years. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. they're like, oh, I'm spending 2500 now, but it's stretched out over X amount of time. My only argument to that is typically a Western hunt, especially if you live in the West and you're picking a nearby state, um, food, gas, place to stay, depending on if you're going to Airbnb it or rough it in a tent or haul a trailer, even with gas the way it is. Uh, those hunts are going to run you at 1200 1400 1600 maybe on the high side to mm -hmm. go do it. Um, that's less than the pair of binoculars on your chest or the gun you're carrying, which I understand uh, you're drawing that into, you know, oh, I'm going to run this for 15 years. But, I mean, at least in our home state, Taryn, if, if we want to rifle hunt anything, you're going to sit on that gun for five years before you even get to crack it loose. Exactly. Um, exactly. W w go hunting. Like I'm not trying yep. to tell guys what to do and obviously make the right decision for yourself and your families if you've got them, but um, try your best to go. Cause let's be honest, there's only so many years you can hunt the way you want to hunt. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, eventually there's going to be those, those hunts where you just don't have it in you anymore. Um, and and obviously as you grow as your kids grow up if you've got them you're going to want to take them on these hunts so they can experience that i mean i just talked about it the the main reason that drove me to uh go out of state was that my dad ponied up and and paid for not only himself but a, a youth tag and granted youth tags are fairly uh you know reasonably priced but he still ponied up and took me um on an adventure you mm -hmm. know what i mean as a 13 year old kid yeah I love that you said that. Go hunt. That, I mean, that really, when it comes down to it, go hunt. Take every opportunity you can. Go wherever you can. See as many places as you possibly can. That's another cool thing about traveling to hunt is, you know, you're going to see places that you would have never dreamed. I mean, it's one thing to be hunting here in the desert, you know, in southern Utah. You're in the junipers and pinions, and, you know, it, it, it's dry, it's dusty, you know, it, it, and it's a blast. I love hunting here. But then going to the mountains of Colorado and backpacking up in there and hunting elk clear back up in there where I'm in these tall, you know, pine trees and quaking aspens. And I mean, it's just, you know, it's a, it's a, just a different experience. And then to go to Alaska and experience, I mean, it's just, it's so fun to experience different things. And so, you know, we're, and I'm, you know, and Seth, I, I guess I'll speak for you too, but if you guys have any questions about hunting and we've, we've done podcasts about this in the past, but if you have questions about hunting out of state, Go to that podcast that we we did on this, but as always, feel free to reach out to us. Not that we're, you know, travelers and go all over the world, but we can help with some of these things on, on how to do these and would love to share any information we can because we love it and we love to get other people to do it. So, so Seth, I want to talk a little bit about the logistics of traveling to hunt and, and what that looks like. And you kind of touched on a little bit of like when you're talking about what it cost to go, you know hunting even here locally, you know, with gas and, and stuff like that. But um, maybe kind of break that down for our listeners of, you know, say you do want to travel to Colorado to go hunting. And I mean, you, you've done it. 
you know, what does that look like? What does it take to get a tag? What does it take to get out there? Where, where should you stay? Should you camp? Should you get a place to stay? Should you go with an outfitter? I mean, maybe kind of talk through that a little bit. Yeah, sure. So, uh, first thing first, we're just going to split it really easy. Uh, low point hunt versus a high point hunt. Uh, if you have got a stack of points in Colorado and you're shooting for one of those really uh, sought after third season or fourth season deer tags, let's say, uh, that's one of those things where it's ultimately up to you. You can definitely do it by yourself. But it, it, in my opinion, if you're really wanting to, to ensure that you're going to get a really, really nice animal, that's one of those things where I think you you pony up and pay the outfitter and the beauty of that is it's all taken care of at that point. Most of the time, all you got to do is show up all the logistics, food, lodging, all that's handled. Um, that's a great way to kill a great big buck. And you've put in the, the effort in that you've waited a long time. Now the beauty of Colorado and Taryn's been a big proponent of this is pretty much every unit in the state's got a mature deer on it. Yeah. Like a, a nice one, I don't know, what do you say, 150 to 190 class deer? Oh, yeah. And you found on every every unit. Every unit in Colorado has a 150 to 190 class buck. Yep. So, you want to go with a zero-point hunt? Let's break that down. So, depending on where you live, uh, and this obviously is made cheaper uh, if you can split fuel. So, we'll start easy with fuel. Fuel's expensive. We all know it is. It's a bit of a joke, but... It is what it is, but uh, my my big uh, suggestion there is to find some like-minded guys that are, are willing to go and uh, split the cost of fuel to get you there. Um, depending on the season, lodging can be, I mean, honestly, really easy. It can be kind of in the middle or it can be tricky. Um, early season, the beauty of that is typically you're not going to deal with some really bad weather. So if you want to rough it in a hammock or a tent or... You really want that backcountry hunt where you're going to hike in. Well, you've got your lodging on your back, and it's not a big deal. Um, in Colorado specifically, a uh, few other states, but they have this awesome option that lets you hunt late in, into November. Uh, <laughs> and November in the Rockies can be bitter, bitter cold. Now, I've seen guys handle it both ways. I've seen you know guys with the big canvas wall tent set up, stove burning all the time, um, camp trailers. Uh, and Taryn can speak to this. What we've found is an awesome, awesome option is typically most units have an Airbnb yes. or a hotel near enough to them that, boy, I can speak for myself. When you've been hiking and freezing and shaking and dirty, and especially if you happen to kill something and you're just covered in blood, there's nothing better than a warm shower when it's zero degrees outside. Yes, sir. <laughs> and maybe I'm maybe I'm too maybe I'm too bougie. You know, I'm not. Yeah, you are. You're ancestors. too fancy. But but <laughs> but there is there is some uh, benefit to that. Now, obviously, that's a that's an added cost. But um, you definitely will want to look into several guys if you're going to do that, just to make it easier on you if you're looking for that true budget hunt. Um, Another thing that kind of helps with that is if you guys happen to kill an animal, as long as you uh, are upfront, relay to the Airbnb people what's going on, um, you have a base of operations. You can honestly, if they're okay with it and you bring the right material, you could cut and pack that animal right there at the Airbnb while the other guys are hunting. Yeah. Um, 
and, and not to say you couldn't just chuck it in a cooler, you know, that cold, especially what you temperatures you usually get, that meat's going to be just fine all week long while you hunt, but you do have the option to save space and uh, break that down. I will make a note. If you're going to go with more than, I don't know, four guys, maybe four guys and a kid, uh, I would strongly suggest the possibility of two vehicles or some kind of tow, you know, whether it's a Hallmark or something, just because you don't realize how much gear four, five, six guys pack to go hunting. Um, and the last thing you want to do is have to sacrifice stuff on the side of the road or whatever, because you can't bring back your deer unless you do something like that. Um, so sometimes as much as it sucks, uh, splitting it into two vehicles, is a pretty good option. Um, when it comes to, I'll just make a quick note here too. When it comes to your rifles, uh, I've never flown. So that's what, that's going to be a, a thing for Taryn to handle, but <laughs> from the driving aspect, uh, I would recommend one of two things. If you do have them in a soft case, um, find a really nice pr- protected spot within the truck. Um, just to minimize, not to say you shouldn't go shoot your guns when you get there, but to minimize the hassle of having to side them in. Um, and if you can splurge for a hard case, I would definitely get a nicer hard case. You can put a lock on it if you're worried about it. But either way, it's going to latch down. It's going to protect it from luggage shifting a little bit, you know, banging around a little bit. You've got that added layer of protection. Um, that's a big thing for us. Um, I mean, there's been times because of scheduling and stuff, we've rolled up to the hunting area once the hunt's already, you know, going. And, you know, it'd be real sucky if you're driving out to sight in your rifle and you see a buck and you need to shoot it and you shoot your rifles off. So uh, try to find, figure out a place to, to protect that as best as possible. Um, and then, like I say, the meat care part of it, once you get one down, um, getting it in a cooler or packaging it, whatever makes the most sense for you guys. Um, in the early season, that's going to be a tough one. Um, there's a several ways I've ha- seen guys handle that. Um, dry ice in a cooler, throw cardboard on top of the dry ice so that it doesn't uh, stick the meat or create issues that way and then lay the meat on top of the cardboard um, in your game bags or whatever. Obviously, hang them up in a tree, get them dry, but the, the beauty of that dry ice is you're not going to get any water contamination that way. Um, but overall, I, I think the biggest thing is, is these are all things that have to be handled but they're very doable. Um, Me and my friends are not extraordinaires. You know, we're not the smartest geniuses in the room and (laughs) it's, it's pretty simple stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's nice too, when you're driving too, because like you said, you can take a cooler, you can take multiple coolers. If you're taking, and and I agree with you on the multiple vehicles. I think that's a huge piece of it. Take a couple of, you know, if depends on how many guys are going, but it is nice to have plenty of room for gear, coolers, the necessities because yeah you don't want to get there and not have the stuff that you need and so it's nice when you're yeah when you're able to drive somewhere you know and I, i'll just use the example of, of arizona again it was nice to be able to just throw the, that deer in the in the cooler threw it in the yeti and stayed yeah. cold obviously it was middle of january so we didn't need the dry ice or anything like that it's i just kind of opened it up during the day and let it just cool yeah. off or during the night and let it cool off and then close the the lid during the night and it i mean it froze it stayed frozen in there for the rest of the hunt and the, the whole drive home. And so 
it, it is nice to be able to just drive somewhere and and manage that. So I think yeah, you did. I think yeah. you did a good job, Seth. I, I think you hit it right <laughs> on the head. Well, and when we and that's one thing when we were in Colorado, uh, it was cold enough. Same thing. Uh, we had two bucks down uh, in the same cooler. You know, deboned in their own game bags, uh, and at night we'd put it out on the deck. The deck had a gate, so nothing really could get into it very well. Um, crack the lid on that thing. Let the the cold air seep in and and in the morning it was literally frozen you know it wasn't that it was cold it was actually frozen meat so yeah. uh close the lid and away you go um but yeah i i think it's very doable um and, and the one thing i would i'd really harp on and i know it's a broken record but it is that two truck thing i mean we were we were crammed like sardines when we went to south dakota and it was great to split that far of a drive um with with that many guys so that we weren't killing ourselves in fuel, but, uh, things get, you know, things get left or you make that decision. Oh, do I really need this extra layer of clothing? Yeah. And I'm not going to have really any room wearing a place like South Dakota in November when the winds howl and you really wish you maybe have brought something else uh, or you do what we did and you get to Sydney, Nebraska and go, Hey, we're going to stop at Cabela's and buy more, uh, <laughs> hand warmers and foot warmers and an extra beanie and gloves, extra gloves. And they all ride in the truck cab with you. And then it just makes for a, a little less uh, comfortable of a ride. But um, overall, I, I think everybody should give it a try. I mean, I know I'm, I'm cutting my own throat, you know, Oh, I'm telling people where to go and what to do and come hunt units that are areas that I hunt. But truthfully, it, it's a, it's a whole experience and and i think at least at least just to go do it once to say you did it and if you don't like it you're different than me but hey you you tried, you tried it. it so yeah yeah i'm yeah. with you on on all those points that that you made and you know i'm an i'm an airbnb kind of guy you know well i guess it depends depends on what you're that's the thing you could there's so many things that you can do because you know like when we go to colorado elk hunting no it's backpacking with llamas to the you know where no one's going to be and it's it's a tough you're sleeping on on the ground actually i got these nice we got these bought these little lightweight cots that are absolutely absolute lifesavers um but you know it's it's more rough in it than when we're hunting deer in colorado totally different story or when i was in arizona you know we're an airbnb it's we have a shower there we can go and run to mcdonald's in the evenings you know what yeah. i hate mcdonald's yeah. but whatever you know whatever the the case <laughs> may be you know you can you can have the finer things in life uh, doing that. So really, just yeah. depends on what you're what you're looking for, what you're trying to do, what your pocketbook allows you to do. But at the end of the day, it's it's really all doable. And um, a lot of those points that Seth just mentioned are, are huge. I will touch on the the traveling. You know, you, you talked about with with guns and getting a good gun case. Um, whether you're traveling by vehicle or by plane, I I highly recommend getting a nice hard case for your guns. Because we just talked about this a little bit ago. We spent a lot of money on guns. And we talked a lot about rifles on a previous podcast. If you guys haven't listened to that one, go and listen to our our best rifle podcast. But, you know, you look at the price of some of these guns and, you know, and then we put them in this little soft case and then they just get destroyed. Uh, so if you're going to spend the money on a nice gun, spend the money to get a, a nice case. And, and the great thing about a case, if you spend the money on, on that hard case, you know, then it, you have that forever, you know, and it'll... You can adjust it for whatever gun you have. It can do both truck hunts. It can do airplanes. It can do everything that you you need it to do. So I I am 
totally a believer of, of a Pelican. I love my Pelican case. And uh, if you guys are looking to get a Pelican, there's going to be a link in our, our show notes for, for Pelican. You can go on there and get some pretty good deals for some of their cases. Yes, they're spendy. They're definitely spendy. But, you know, they, they wrap around your gun or your bow. I mean, like a like a nice warm hug. They're, they're just a, they're absolutely amazing. And um, like I said, when it comes to, to flying with guns, I don't know that I would fly with a different case. Now, I know that Kuyu came out with a new one that's supposed to be pretty awesome. And I know there's, you know, there's, there's some other ones out there. Um, Plano makes it actually a pretty nice all-weather case. But the the Pelican was nice, so so my Pelican's really nice. Like when I went to Alaska and flew up there, you know, I could have my gun. I, I have all the cutout spots specifically for my gun, for the bolt, for the ammo. And, and when you fly with a gun, so there's an article up on our website that talks about flying with guns, and it details everything, including all the TSA requirements with links to the TSA and what they require. But what a couple of things that they require is that obviously that it's unloaded and then taking the bolt out of the gun. And so that's why I said it's nice to be able to put your gun in there in the foam and then have the, the bolt separated separate from the gun in its own little spot where it's in the foam, have the ammo there in the foam. If you have a magazine, detach the magazine, put a little spot in there for your, your magazine as well. That way, when you go to TSA, so when you go to the airport to check in or declare your, your firearm, it, it, it's really, I mean, it's just like going to, to check in a, a bag. Obviously, it's a, it's a little bit different but because you're, you're walking in there with a gun. But you just go to the counter, say, hey, I'm declaring a firearm. The cool thing about it, like when I walked into the airport with my Pelican, they knew exactly what I had in that case. So there was, there was no question, you know, like, are you declaring a firearm? Yes, I am. So you go to the, the, to the, the counter there. <clears throat> they give you a paper that you fill out to declare your firearm that goes in the case with your gun. But they do have you open it. They look at it just to make sure that it is unloaded, the bolts out of it, magazines out of it, ammo is separate, stuff like that. They look at it, they have you put that paper in and then you lock it. And so you do have to lock it. And one of the big questions that a lot of people ask me about flying with guns is, do you have to have a lock in every single hole? Because there's a lot of like confusion out there. Some people, you'll see some places that say, no, you don't. Um, I specifically asked the TSA agent when I went, I said, do you have to have one in every single hole? Because I did have a lock in every single hole in that case. And they're like, yes, if it's got a spot for a lock, you've got to have a lock. You have to have one. Yeah, you've got to have a lock in that hole. And so the big point of it. And, you know, there's all these quote unquote TSA approved locks. Guys, go to go get you a, a master lock or something like that. Just a, just a normal padlock at your hardware store. That's all. That's what I have in mind. Especially if they, especially if you've got to have one in each hole. Like I don't know how many holes your case has, but if it's got four holes, mm-hmm. go buy a four pack a a gold master locks. Save yourself a little bit of money. Yep, that's slap e- those four on there. That's exactly what I have for my Pelican. Is a, is four of those gold yeah. master lock. Yeah. They, and they they work perfectly. They're one key to like. Yeah. So if you lose one of the keys, you usually got three other keys. Mm-hmm. So you're not scrambling to do anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. It's the way to go. It really is. So, so yeah. So then they just check it in there and then you have to, they, they walk with you. You take it over to the actual TSA check-in. They take it back behind some doors. You have to kind of, you have to wait there. They, they run it through to make sure you're not smuggling drugs or anything like that with the firearm, make sure everything's <laughs> good with it. And then they come out, give you a thumbs up and, and, you go on the airplane just like you you always you normally do. So 
flying with guns really, you know, it, it sounds scary, but it's, it's really not. So if you're thinking about traveling to hunt, say you are thinking about an Alaska hunt or a New Zealand hunt, New Zealand's a little bit difficult because New Zealand's ridiculous with guns. I wouldn't even do that. I'll just take your bow, but, or take your bow or rent a gun from them. Yeah. Yeah. When we go to New Zealand, we're not, we're, we're taking our bows with us. But if it comes down to like, hey, we're actually going to just shoot them with a rifle, we're just going to use theirs because they, they've got the the Tikas set up. Seth, oh, yeah, the Tikas Lord. are all set up for us over I there. To, so I have to declare to New Zealand, I'm bringing my own gun <laughs> if I go. I'm going to bring my Ruger M7. Damn right, jeez. Oh, Damn right, oh, America, America. My Ruger runs, American. Runs this show. No, my Ruger American because it says America on. on it. Come on. Oh, jeez. But it's so hey, like, just, or, just remember, my gun says. Connecticut, USA, not. <laughs> what does your shirt? What does your shirt Finland? say? I don't know. What oh, geez. Is. All right, we're, we're we're digressing really quickly here. But <laughs> say you're gonna go do that. Um, you know, it really is not a big deal to take a gun on a, on an airplane as long as you do it the right way. And like I said, if you guys have any questions about it, there's an article on our website. Just search "flying with guns" on the eHunter website, and that article will come up. But Seth is stressing about taking multiple vehicles when you're going hunting. I'm going to stress the the case. The case makes or break that because, you know, I've got these cheap little cases. I'm looking at this cheap little plastic case I have right now. That thing would have been destroyed as they were trying to throw it on an airplane and and all that. And the other thing is, it's not even just the airliner. You know, the the commercial airliner. airliner. Then you got to take it out. You got to throw it in a little puddle jumper. You know, it's just getting banged up in the back of an airplane, and it was the back of a. Uh, like in your case, probably when you go to New Zealand, probably the back of a land cruiser mm-hmm. getting bounced around, going to the place. Yeah. It's just nice not to have to think about it. Just think, just being like, yeah, you know, it's, it, it, it's protected. It's not going to get hurt. Uh, you know, I'm, I know when I take that gun out that it's going to shoot straight. When I got to Alaska, we did, we went and shot our guns just to make sure they were on, punched the center spot on the, on the target, the bullseye. And I, I knew that it was good. It was, like I said, it's just wrapped up in a nice little pillow. In that case, you weren't carrying it when you fell in the hole. I know I needed it to be in that case. (laughs) Yeah, falling in a hole that that's going to knock it off a little bit. But (laughs) but in the case, it was nice and safe. So you know, again, they're valuable pieces of equipment, and so don't but don't let that don't let flying with guns hold you back from from going hunting somewhere. If you're going to go to Canada, if you're going to go to Alaska, if you're going to go within the continental U.S., you know, you may want to hop on an airplane and fly out to Indiana and hunt whitetail. Get a good case. To do it with and, and it'll make your life a, a whole lot easier so so what so what you're telling me is not to take my 25 year old plano like what, what do you got against old stuff man it's not the old <laughs> it's it's uh as long as it's nice hey if you got an old case that's uh, as well built as this mm, pelican that i not. have do it but. but it's it's gotten me through a lot of times you know them old ones i think you used to be able to buy them i think it was kmart they're the old <laughs> like stainless steel looking but oh yeah plastic but they have like a, a wildlife scene on them. Mm-hmm. I know exactly. I got what you're one about. of those in like high school, dude. It is like early, like sophomore year of high school, and I've had it ever since. Oh it's, man, it's, it's a little rough around the edges, but I've used it uh, when I've went on Idaho, South Dakota, and Colorado. And knock on wood, I haven't had a gun be off yet if I put them in that thing and travel with them. That's good. That's good. You throw it on an airplane. I, I think you, you'd be. It'd be in pieces. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Why are you talking? Why are you scaring me? <laughs> Dude, those air, those guys at the airline. I don't know if you ever watched them put bags on an airplane before, but they are not kind about it. Like they just yeah. chuck them around. And, and it's almost like, and I watched them put my gun on the airplane, which was funny in, in Vegas. Um, and 
they just it's like they knew it was a gun and so they just like chucked it up on the belt i'm like you suckers like, have but. fun reciting that back in <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah from experience another one and this typically happened to me um when i worked out of state but uh i was usually pretty good flying out but coming back i was really bad at it um make sure your hunting knife or your pocket knife doesn't go with you through the tsa oh, line yeah yeah that's a because you point. get to throw it away yep you get to throw it away and that's pretty much it now uh back in when i was doing it uh the nice people in north dakota typically would offer to ship it to me but i'm like it's i usually bought cheap working knives so it wasn't <laughs> a big deal but boy if you ever had a real nice hunting knife and had to throw it in the garbage can uh, i don't know if they'd ship it to you now i've heard they're pretty I, cut and dry about it i don't think so and the good thing about a knife though is you can just put that in your check bag yeah. You know, that you can just yep. throw it in your check just bag. Don't forget and be be like me and keep it in your pocket because that's where it always goes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, definitely. So definitely those are some big things about flying with guns and traveling with, with guns and, and just traveling to hunt in, in general. I will say, you know, if you're going to be uh, going somewhere new, take some extra money. I've learned this the hard way. I've had to bum <laughs> some cash off some buddies. So, uh I guess I better say thanks, Chad, again for that. Um, but, <laughs> but take a little extra cash with you. You never know what's going to come up. Um, and so I, I would say just whether you're going to Colorado to go hunting or whether you're going to Alaska, take a little extra cash with you just to be safe. If you fly home with that cash or, or drive home with that cash, great. But And, you, and you, to, to springboard off that, sorry to cut you off, you're but uh, where you're going, do a little research and see what uh, – what's available in the area because like i've done i've done all three of these quote-unquote types of hunts uh idaho was laying on the dirt 35 miles from a town hunting every day hiking uh that town that we were by was really small it's one of those where you're even wishy-washy yeah, do i take a credit card because are they even going to have the capabilities or is cash going to get me further um colorado was kind of in the middle like we were in an airbnb it's a nice place to sleep but we were also 25 miles outside of town so when you went into town you could use cash or card but the, it was one of those things where we called the airbnb place and said hey you see you've got a little store there for some basics and some fuel do you take cards do you not take cards just so you're prepared and then like say south dakota super nice place had most of what we needed stocked um but you had to go into town and get food and granted it was a great it was a fairly large city so no problems there but just do that basic uh entry level research on what's available in the nearest town for you um and whether you're taking that extra money in cash or card make sure one they'll accept it and two that like taryn said you've got enough because you just never know and luckily usually when you grab you know travel as a group if you did have some kind of an issue you can kind of pool your money together and make it work. You know, say you blow a tire or, yeah. you know, car trouble, something <laughs> along those lines. But if you're a solo hunting guy and you're going to do it all by yourself, that's one of those things you're really going to want to follow through and make sure you, you know, what it, you know, what they'll take and how much extra funding you should take with you. Yeah. Yeah. You just never know what you're going to need. And so it's, it's really nice to be able to just, well, like you, you said earlier, you know, you had to stop at Cabela's and get hand warmers and gloves and, and things like that. You know, you just never know what's going to come up that you're going to need. So it's nice just to have a little extra cash just to, you know, just to, have, just to CYA. I'll just say it that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and I've kind of hardwired that into my trip planning. Like typically 
I get like a really not hard, but like a really solid idea of what the hunt would cost me with no issues. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I usually take that and then bump it a little bit and say, I need actually this much money to go on the hunt. That's a little CYA money. And then on top of that, I typically have a card or some cash freed up. It's a much larger sum, even if it happens to be on a credit card, just for that sole reason of, holy crap, we've got to put new, you know, I snapped the tire rod end on the truck or whatever mm -hmm. the case may be, have that extra money on top of even that. So I kind of budget that out that way when I know I'm doing something like that. Yeah. The last thing I want to say before we end, and, I'll, and Seth, I'll let you say your, your final piece as well, but the last thing I want to say is make lists. Lists is something that I have become a huge proponent of when it comes to traveling to hunt because, you know, if I'm hunting around home, I can go home and grab whatever I need. Um, but making lists kind of goes back to our point of taking extra cash as well because you, you probably you may forget something or whatever. But I have learned I've got my my list for each different hunt, and um, I'll pull it out and I'll, I'll print it off. It's on I have a Google Doc of it. And I'll print it out and I'll, it's got check marks on it. And I'll just check the list as I go through making sure do I've got, do I have my Merino? Do I have my puffy coat? Do I have my knife? Do I have my headlamp? Do I have whatever the case may be? Do I have everything with me? Um, that has saved me guys as I've traveled uh, to hunt is just checking off those lists. And, and I'm, I'm like Santa Claus, man. Sometimes I'll, I'll check it twice just to make sure that I've got everything uh, on that list and and it's like i said it's helped me out so much i've gotten to hunt got to where i'm hunting and i've there's i've got everything that i need um and there's a lot of it is thanks to to that checklist so that's going to last be, be the last thing that i recommend with traveling to hunt is uh make sure you have checklists keep those checklists those those lists so that you can use them on your your next hunt um talk with your buddies that travel for, to hunt what do they have on their list is there something that you missed if you go on your hunt and you're like oh man i wish i would have had this don't forget to, when you get home to put that back on your list. I, I promise, guys, that'll save you so much when you travel to hunt. It'll save you money because you don't have to stop at Cabela's and buy it or wherever and buy it. Or, and, and it'll save you a lot of a headache. Um, may save you from just freezing your butt off because you forgot your puffy coat. Whatever the case may be, make those lists. So, Seth, anything to add before we wrap this thing up? To springboard off of Karen, pack in advance. Don't wait until it's two days before the hunt and start packing your stuff. Get your get, get your bag or your totes or however you pack. Take your list like Taryn talked about and go through it as you check things off and put them in there uh, in advance so that if you come along and go, oh, I don't have this, this, and this, it's not a mad one-day, one-evening dash to wherever you need to go and you're trying to remember the things you needed. Uh, pack in advance and then my last point to wrap it up if you're rifle hunting with buddies or with yourself one backup gun you never know what could happen if at all possible take a backup even if they say i guess it doesn't matter if you got four guys uh then somebody can share your gun but i would recommend a backup rifle and if you're bow hunting uh if at all possible odds and ends and backup parts because you never know what can happen an extra release. Can, yeah, extra, <laughs> extra release, release if you need. Uh, and I've seen this too. Figure out what thread and what head size uh, the screws are on your sights and build a, a baggie. Mm -hmm. You know, we tighten them down, loosen 
tightening them down, you bouncing around, maybe a screw comes off and now you've got a 40 yard pin that's just slopping all over the place because you've lost the screw. Yeah. Um, I know that's uh, kind of more into the gear guide aspect compared to the traveling to hump, but uh, there's something to be said that you're a thousand miles from home. You have no sporting goods store in the town you're hunting in and you're basically screwed because either your gun or your weapon uh, archery bow, bow, whatever won't fire mm-hmm. accurately because of it. Um, and it still happens, but that's why you want to try to say if you at all possible, especially gun hunting, just take a backup. I can't tell you how many scopes of all manufacture it, we've taken out to hunts, even locally. And you shoot them like, oh, it's off. Oh, no problem. Let's adjust it a few clicks. You adjust it a few clicks, shoot it, let the gun sit for 30 minutes, pick it up, shoot it again. It's off again. Scope loses zero. Uh, I've, I've seen it in several different scope manufacturers. Um, so having a backup gun can be the ticket to solve all that. Um, so you don't got to swap a scope if you brought a scope. But yeah. Love it. Love it. Well, hopefully these things were helpful for you guys. Hopefully they were thing, they're things that you guys can use as you plan your hunts. Ultimately, going back to what Seth said in the beginning is go hunt guys you know save plan prepare talk to your significant other whatever you got to do but but go hunt whether it's you know locally or this the neighboring state whether you're going to africa it doesn't matter um find ways to go hunt travel see the world see something different i promise it'll it really will open your eyes to a lot of cool things in hunting that that we haven't that you haven't done before so with that, guys, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. We appreciate you guys' support for the podcast. Um, we appreciate your support for eHunter. We, uh, man, we're so grateful for everything that you guys do for us and, and help keep us going here uh, at eHunter. And if you guys would, like I said in the beginning, please give us a, a review and a rating on the, the podcast platforms. That'll help us out so much. So with that, Seth, anything else before we sign off? Check out our friends at Manscaped. Oh, yeah. E-Hunter. E hunter code at checkout. I know you guys are like, what's manscape have to do with hunting? Uh, sometimes you come back from them hunts. It's pretty rough all over. So <laughs> man, manscape, uh, E hunter code at checkout, 20% off on everything on the website. Very cool. All right, guys, we'll check you on the next one. See ya. Thanks guys. <laughs>